Hey guys, Easton here. Real quick, today's free version of The Mike Herndon Show is a film room segment, which of course has a pretty serious video component. If you just want to listen via podcast, no problem, keep listening. But if you want to watch and see the film that we're breaking down, there's a link in the description of this podcast you can click to get to the free YouTube version of today's Mike Herndon Show. Enjoy. Welcome into the Mike Herndon Show, week six. Uh, we are going to be recapping this week Titans Commanders, as well as moving into uh, the Titans Buy and looking at some interesting topics there. I'm Mike Herndon, and I'm joined by Easton Freeze, Director of Published Content at Broadway Sports. Uh, and he is, uh, of course, also the host of the Hot Read podcast. Um, so, uh, how, how's it going, Easton? I'm great, Mike. How are you? How's your week been? It's been uh, pretty good, pretty good. You know, it's um, I, this is a very busy time of year for me when uh, you know the football season's in full swing and everything. So, oh yeah, always hectic, but uh, also you know I love it. So, yeah, no, incredibly hectic, and we've got a ton of things to talk about today. Um, as is becoming, I think, just the standard structure of the show. We're going to start out with the free portion going through some film today because people seem to love that. And uh, we love breaking it down. And then, of course, behind the paywall, we've got a lot of goodies to talk about. Um, some gambling things, some, I think, incredible football this weekend that I want to talk a little bit about outside of the Titans world. Um, in terms of a bye week for the Titans, Week six is really early and there are some downsides to that. But this week in particular, as somebody that watches the Titans whenever they're playing, great week to have off because there's some awesome football to watch. There really is. Yeah, both college and NFL. It's going to be a good weekend for football. Yeah. So before we get into that, let's break down the film that you handpicked from the Titans Commanders game this past week. Overall, just like the least talked about game of the week, I think, nationally. Um, it was the least anticipated game of the week going into it. it. It's the definition of a corner TV. No, that's a lie. Tonight's Thursday night football game is the definition of a corner TV game, uh, which is unfortunate because it's a standalone game. Just some advice, fellas, lay up W here. We've got tell your girl you're hanging out with her tonight and you're skipping a great Thursday night football matchup because you just love her so much. Easy win. Take the win. Don't watch this game for the love of God. Commanders, Bears. <laughs> Thursday night I won't be watching it and I'm an NFL sicko Mike I hope to God you're not watching it um but yeah th this Titans commanders game was close to that level of excitement but from a Titans perspective just evaluating where the team is at there's I think a decent amount to be gained um even though this was a little bit of a skeleton crew for this team in terms of starters at least yeah, they, they were missing a lot of guys, right? I think I counted eight starters total that were out of this game, uh, including obviously Nate Davis, who's arguably their best offensive player so far this year. Right. Um, you know, Traylon Burks, who's their most dynamic receiving threat. And then on the defensive side, you know, no Bud Dupree, no Harold Landry, no Ola Daney, uh, no Zach Cunningham, uh, still no Elijah Molden, no Amani Hooker. So a lot of a lot of guys down for this team, uh, but they're still able to come out and get enough done to get the win on the road, which, as I always say, winning on the road on the NFL is hard. It's always a good thing when your team finds a way to do it. Look, look at, um, you know, and I know people are 
frustrated with this team to some degree and wanted this win to be more convincing. And of course you always want the, the wins to be more convincing than, than maybe what they are, but the giants beat the Packers in London. Mm-hmm. Teams can lose at any given time to any given team. This is the way the NFL works. And anytime you can get a win, no matter how ugly it might be, it is a win. Like take, Jets take whooped the up win. on the dolphins. Yeah, the Jets destroyed the Dolphins. So it, it is um it's easy to to kind of nitpick these wins when they happen against teams that you like feel like are bad teams, which the commanders are I don't think they're a terrible football team, but they're not a good football team. So I, I think it's certainly um I get the frustration that it wasn't more lopsided, but look, this again, this was a one and a half point line i believe at kickoff the titans win by four they cover the spread so hey you take it yeah and at the end of the year nobody really cares how you got the wins it's a matter of how many you got right so um we'll start out on the on the negative side of things here and i think it's important when we're talking about this game like we've already talked a little bit about just to parse the fact that and this is you know a more optimistic take than a lot of people in the nashville media market have been going with this week, I think, but I think it's the fair one because this team was out eight starters, especially on the defensive side of the ball. There's some nuance to be had in terms of what this team looked like in Washington, as opposed to what they can look like when they get their best guys out there. This is a team, all teams, of course, when you don't have your starters out there, it's a, it's a big deal. But for this team in particular, they've got some serious depth issues at certain positions and the drop off from starter to backup is pretty significant in my eyes. So you have to keep that in mind when you're watching this tape back. Yeah. And I think it will start off with a guy that is kind of playing because of an injury at this point, who ideally you would have thought would have been a, a key member of this secondary, but has not panned out to be this way. And, and it, Caleb Farley, who only played nine snaps and we're going to highlight two of them here for bad reasons. Um, <laughs> it's way too high a percentage, not a good yeah. ratio for old Caleb. Um, and he ended up getting pulled from this game um, because of, the second clip we'll show, which you probably know which one that is, but this is probably the less uh, known bust that he had in this game. It, the Titans are playing cover three here, and uh, you know they end up running this this crosser. But Caleb Farley is re- responsible for the deep third on his side of the field, and he kind of sits on this shorter Stiffs. route, even though there is a uh, linebacker underneath the play. And I, I'm not sure. No, actually, that may be Byard. Uh, no, it was David Long. It was, it was Long, Long, right? It's out under so Farley's right up wow. here by the 30 at the top of the screen to start. That's right. Yeah. And, and you'll watch, he kind of comes up. He doesn't, doesn't really see the crosser. Now, you could say hard for him to see the crosser when he's got eyes on that side of the field, but he doesn't have the awareness of what is going on. Like, if he does drop off and look, it would have taken some good, it would have taken good anticipation for him to be able to drop off and uh, you know see that route developing but if he does it's an opportunity for him to get underneath a pass and maybe pick one off or, or make a play on the ball um but he just doesn't see it it is that's a repetition thing and and him being able to see and recognize you know coverage or you know pattern uh recognition kind of thing right that is something that would come as he plays you would hope but when you keep making mistakes, it's hard to play. Um, and <laughs> yeah. this, this next clip is not a pattern recognition issue. It is just, and this is, is probably something that highlights why maybe he's struggling more so than anything. 
Okay. I, I you know, coming out of the draft, it was this guy's six two, two hundred plus pounds, and he runs like it, it was estimated he didn't run a forty because you know, no pro day, no combine, right. but um it was rumored that he ran in the four twos regularly at Virginia Tech and he was clocked on their GPS monitoring during a game running over 24 miles an hour, which is faster than anyone in the NFL has run uh, over the last, you know, since they've been tracking GPS data. If so you this were guy to build is, your ideal athletic corner he, from a he, physical and, standpoint, this was him coming out. Exactly. And the, and the tape at Virginia Tech was of a guy that could fly. I mean, this guy could run. He His makeup speed was unbelievable. I mean, he was not going to get beat deep and his – ability to not get beat deep allowed him to play with a ton of confidence coming back downhill. And, you know, even if you double moved him, he was often able to get back in the play just because he had such incredible athleticism. He just gets flat up run by here. I mean, like, obviously he stumbles a little bit at, at some point uh, kind of as, as he's trying to catch up to Deami Brown and Deami Brown's fast. Like I think Deami Brown was like a four, three, eight guy uh, coming out of UNC. But again, Caleb Farley is supposed to be faster than Deami Brown, and he runs by him like he's standing still. And, and Farley even kind of bails out of this press technique here. Yeah, Brown and, was a four four five. Yeah, four four five. Yeah, so not even sub four four. He just runs by him like there's just mm-hmm. nothing. And he's still you know leaving him. Right. Um, he stumbled there for a moment, but you saw, like you said in college, his ability with his length and his top end speed to make up for that regularly. And he just doesn't have it right now. He does not have it. And even as Deami Brown is tracking the ball, he is still pulling away from Caleb Farley, who is head down, just sprinting after him. So until Caleb Farley, because he at this point, he's just a big, slow corner uh, who's also yeah. inexperienced and probably doesn't know the defense as well as, you know, some of these other guys on the field. That's not good. Like that, that's very when you don't have your big redeeming quality, it's really hard when you're also making mistakes. So um that's why he can't play right now and like Terrence Mitchell wasn't fantastic in this game but he was much better than what Caleb Farley was um and unfortunately they've got to keep playing Caleb or uh Terrence Mitchell until yeah Elijah Molden's healthy and we'll talk a little bit more about that later but yeah Farley was bad bad in this game and and they benched him again and I don't see him getting on the field again anytime soon I, I think at this point he needs to show that he can get some of that athleticism back. And look, I'm not trying to make any excuse for him, but he is still coming off of the ACL. He was I on think the it's an entirely fair reason right here. We've seen knee, how many guys speed. come off of ACL and not be good in their first returns. It takes some time. It takes some time to get, you know, not only like your confidence back in the knee, but just to physically be back to where you feel like you can cut things loose and go. Um, and so I, I, it doesn't seem like he's there right now and maybe he will get there later in the year, but right now I don't think you can play him until he's physically more like what the guy you drafted him to be, uh, look like. So well, and Mike, he's dealing with multiple conflicts here because we see veterans come off of ACL surgeries. Well, just last year, Bud Dupree, Taylor Lewan, two guys that have been in the league. They know how to play up here. It's all there. Their, their, their feel for the game exists. They have a ton of experience and yet they come back. They're healthy enough to play, but in their first six, seven, eight games, they're not any good. 
with a guy like Farley, who's a second year player, but essentially a rookie in terms of his experience, his knowledge of the playbook, his just the number of reps he's had on the field. He's dealing not only with trying to get his sea legs out there, but also get one sea leg because the other leg's not <laughs> working quite quite right yet. So I don't think it's I'm not surprised in the least bit. It's entirely fair to be disappointed so far. But is this surprising? I don't think it's surprising at all that he's not very good. I also won't be surprised if he gets good in a hurry in the last four or five games of this year. Yeah, I could I could see that happening. I mean, it's and a lot of people are like, well, the Titans need to trade him, you know, get no. rid of him. No, that would this would be selling at and like the lowest low, possible as low as you possibly could because everyone else is seeing this tape. Everyone else is like, this guy's coming off all these injuries. We don't, you know, we're not going to take this huge gamble and give you a a high draft pick for a guy that we know nothing about physically. And all we have is bad tape. So, I mean, he can literally only get better than this. So why would you give somebody the opportunity to find out and realize that opportunity, that potential? Yeah. Don't, don't give away his upside, you know, for nothing here. So I I think it's the upside still there to me. I, I, it just, it's going to take some time and it is, it's frustrating right now because the Titans don't have the depth needed to be able to be as patient with Farley, or at least they haven't had the depth um, right so far this season. So that is a frustrating side of this, but I think if Molden comes back, which it sounds like he has a chance to after the bye, things will fall back into place in the Titans cornerback room a little bit, I think, but agreed. Um, let's flip over to the other side of the ball for something that, that, frustrated me and, and it's the same concept and y'all will remember if you watched the show last week there was a mesh concept that the titans ran on a third down against the colts that Tannehill got a little bit surprised and didn't pull the trigger on they have the exact same thing here it's the same general principle they're running mesh underneath and honestly both uh both crossing routes are open here. Robert Woods and Dontrell Hilliard. Again, same yep. guys that were running it last week. And I know Tannehill gets some pressure relatively early in this snap. Um, and I think this was, yeah, this was, uh, a, a, I think, a green dog blitz that, that the commanders brought. Um, no, I'm sorry. It was a it was a loop. Uh, yep. So it was kind of a, a uh a game that they ran up front to get uh, Montez sweat around Ben Jones. So they didn't do the greatest job picking this up. Like Ben Jones with a rare mistake here, not being able to pick up the looper, but um, either way, this ball's got to come out. I mean, both woods and Hilliard Hilliard, especially Hilliard's uncovered is running to daylight. I mean, they, they, they've got this route at the bottom of the screen, uh, you know, Nope. Nobody it's is boring. paying any mind to Dontrell yeah. Hilliard right now. Yeah. There there's nobody there. So, I mean, he's got to throw the ball before this, obviously, because at this point he's running for his life, but um, there is an opportunity for him to get this ball out because Hilliard is clearing that middle linebacker. There's really the kind of the only guy that can defend either of these before sweat is really bearing down on him. So mm-hmm. uh, again, like Tannehill mostly was a pretty good in this game, you know, given the fact that he had, zero pass protection for most of the game which we'll get into and you know his wide receivers just are not dynamic right now like none of these guys are dynamic players they're not threatening in any sort of way which allows defenses to really bear down on them and kind of close you know close windows quickly because they're just not scared of getting beat over the top at at the moment so it is um a tough situation that the titans are putting 
Ryan Tannehill in right now, and I mostly feel for him. But on that play, you got to cut that ball loose, and especially got to cut that ball loose, even if you just throw it at his feet, mm-hmm. because taking that sack knocked them out of field goal range. This was when they were up uh, four towards the end of the game. Right. And the field goal obviously makes it to where, hey, a touchdown only ties the game. It's not as, as – uh, um, you're not in as dangerous a spot and they were on the 34 yard line there and he takes like a, you know, more than 10 yard sack, which pushes them out of field goal range by far. So it is a very, very bad play right there from Tannehill, despite an overall pretty decent game from him. Well, it wasn't all bad. Let's turn to the positive things that you had to draw from this Titans game in the film. And the first of which is the uh, Dontrell Hilliard touchdown that we saw his third of the year. And you liked the design on this play. Yeah, this this was a really slick design from uh, Todd Downing or or Tim Kelly, if you buy into the uh, only good the offensive coaching staff. Uh, but this is a really nice design. Now the Titans in the in the high red zone last week against the Colts had run uh, this little swing pass to Derrick Henry and, and picked up a nice chunk of yardage. Now they had dressed it up differently. They were under center when they threw that swing pass to Henry they didn't have two backs in the backfield so this is a little bit different look but they they show the motion and because the Titans have been throwing the ball to Henry so much out Mm -hmm. of the backfield the commanders have to respect it so they get they get some guys stepping that way but then they come and they leak back Dontrell Hilliard out of the backfield uh on the screen on the backside and and Aaron Brewer gets a great block on this screen uh keep an eye on him as he he's kind of the first guy that leaks out there and he's mm-hmm. the key block like he springs him and then it's just a foot race which Hilliard's always going to win um right. so Tannehill actually a, looks and pumps Henry initially yes. forcing the linebackers to focus that side and then immediately flips course yeah it's it slows everyone down and and gives them time because you know, even the backside linebacker can't just jump on this Hilliard screen, even if he might read it, because he's seeing this pump go the other way and he may need to pursue, right? So mm-hmm. he, it, it causes him to just slow his feet just a little bit, which is really all they need to get this leaked out. And this is, honestly, this is a great throw. Like, I know it's a screen pass and it's just a little dump, but this is a great job getting rid of this thing by Tannehill um, and, and getting it in a spot where, where Hilliard can catch it and uh and because he gets dropped in the middle of the throw yeah yeah he is he is getting hit and having to throw that off his back foot so you know screens not always like super impressive but that is a a good throw from Tannehill on that ball um so I love that design love the fact that they're using Henry Henry's pass catching is now becoming something that they can threaten other teams with to open up other things so i, I think hey, he had problem. one really impressive catch this week that yeah, made me, he, he wasn't a, a massive play or anything I and mean, nearly scored but it was a it was a great throw by Tannehill. and after talking about this last week where we were just clowning henry's hands <laughs> which is you know he's he's incredible at a lot of things that's not one of the things he's incredible at it was a great catch i was it i was, was shocked he hold, held on to that ball yeah, that was impressive. That when, when I saw that ball go Henry's way, and I saw that Henry was their street receiver, I was like, "There's no way he's catching." <laughs> There's us. no way. Uh, yeah, but he makes he made a nice grab and almost yeah almost scored it, set up their uh, second touchdown. So yeah, um, yeah, that was a. Great this is play. the bomb play. This is the big yeah. deep shot that they took, which we have not seen much of at all from this team this year. We saw him try it twice in this game. Yeah, I, and I like that the Titans. First of all, I like that. Tannehill takes the shot here and just throws it. it up within a one-on-one situation. And look, he, he initially is going to go to Chig here. Like the, the concept mm-hmm. that they're running is, is a high low 
um, read and, and Chig is running this, uh, you know, kind of corner route, but the cover three corner drops, drops NWI to take that, that out route, which, you know, it's, it's a nice play design because you are designing it to put that guy in conflict by sending NWI vertical. Usually the cover three corner on that side of the field is going to go with the vertical route. Right. Uh, but the number 29 here, and I, I apologize. I don't know his name. I think that might be St. Juiced does a great job getting eyes back into the backfield and seeing Chig and breaking down on that. And I mean, that's, that's probably a pick if Tannehill actually cuts it loose, but it's a mm-hmm. good thing. He sees it. Uh, he sees that reaction before uh, actually letting go of that ball, but then he gets his eyes back downfield and then knows it's just one-on-one. And I love him trusting NWI to just go make a play for him. And he does. So it, this is something the Titans need to do more is get, opportunity and i don't care if it is nwi get opportunities for your wide receivers one-on-one downfield to go make a play for you because yep most of the time good things happen when you throw the ball downfield like worst case scenario it's incomplete but pass interference you see these pass interference calls all the time where a guy is just one-on-one and a guy panics and and gets in the way or um never looks back for the ball and just gets lost and runs into the receiver um, or you see a guy like NWI here go make a good play on the ball and him tracking this ball, reversing course and going and getting it very impressive. So love them taking that shot, want more of it. They frankly need to do that to push some of the, these defenses off of the line of scrimmage because these Agreed. guys are crowding. They have all this to stretch the, ver- the field vertically. They've got to yeah. do it. NWI makes a really nice adjustment on this ball that I was impressed by. And like you said, worst, worst case, it's an arm punt, right? They pick it off, but you flipped the field because you just threw it all the way down there and you hope somebody can make a tackle, keep them from running it all the way back. Um, but like like you said, pass interference, called on that kind of thing all the time. If it's a completion, it's a, it's a big deal. And, and while the Titans, and we're going to talk about this more behind the paywall in this episode, while the Titans receiving core doesn't have a ton of dynamic um, athletes with these kinds of traits, these long ball traits, they, you know, they have an opportunity. Any NFL receiver one-on-one streaking down the field has a chance to make a play on the ball. And the Titans just so rarely give their guys the chance to make that play. Yeah. Yeah. They, they tend to be a little conservative with that stuff, but uh, most of, uh, you know, the Titans, we'll get into some more good stuff here, which is all going to be defensive. Now they did have some nice, nice runs, mostly, I felt like Henry created. Um, <laughs> yeah, Henry yeah, was fantastic in this. Are you game. telling me he didn't have elite pass or run blocking in this game? He did not. No. Okay, um, gotcha. And I want to I want to show you uh, here Christian Fulton um, on this deep comeback against Terry McLaurin. Uh, Fulton is playing really good football right now, and obviously, um, you know, the pass interference call towards the end of the game was a tough call, and obviously, Fulton came out on Twitter and said that the league went back and reviewed that call and said that it should not have been called. So that is uh, something that I'm sure he was excited to hear. Um, but well, nonetheless, they sent an IOU to the Titans facility. It, exactly. Good for, sure they, good for nothing, but yeah. to make you feel better. Yeah. But watch, watch Fulton, you know, knowing where the sticks are and then also just the change of direction skills. Like he is really, really good at this. He gets yes. in and out of his break faster than McLaurin. And McLaurin knows he's breaking. Like, that is the impressive thing here. Um, Fulton getting in and out of these breaks on these uh, deep comebacks and things like that. 
I think it's only a matter of time before we see him jump one of these and pick one off. I mean, this throw, had it been a little bit more towards McLaurin's body, um, maybe Fulton does jump this because he is in position and he is inside of him when he comes he, out of he's his He's breaking break. down and, and coming back to the ball at the same time, if not a little bit earlier than McLaurin is. I mean, he yeah. sees this all the way. Yeah, and he's playing really good football right now. You know, it is – the Titans have coverage issues, which we'll get to in a little bit, but uh, Fulton is not one of the issues. Fulton is playing really good football for them, and, and you love this break right here uh, to get in great position. Um, and then the other guy that I think is playing pretty well in the secondary uh, is is Roger McCreary. And okay, this is, tell me about this. Yeah, this is the very first third down of the game. Uh, you'll probably remember this play. And, again, this is um, – uh, I believe this is McLaurin. No, this is uh, Samuel. This is Curtis Samuel. Samuel. Um, but this is a tough, tough route to cover uh, for McCreary because he's coming all the way across the field on you and you don't have any help. Uh, but McCreary and Samuel can run. I mean, it, this is a guy that, that really can open it up and go. But McCreary stays right in his hip pocket, uses his uh, his positioning to be able to interfere with the pass as it's hitting uh, right as it's hitting Samuel's uh, pocket and uh, and breaks up a pass on third down, which the Titans have been fantastic on third down they have. Uh, over the last three weeks, especially uh, against the Raiders and Commanders, which they both held to single digit uh, conversion percentages in, in the last uh, three weeks here. So That's McCreary incredible. also playing really good football. I am still excited to see him get back outside where I think he's much better um than in the slot and we'll we'll get into the some of the stuff that i want to talk about there but after the paywall but mccreary's playing good football and i think his his arrow is pointing up um as far as i'm concerned yeah so our next our next six clips we've got three straight that i'm super excited to get into because we're going to look at my favorite linemen on this team right now and then three straight clips of everybody's least favorite lineman on this team right now. So let's start. Let's start with the guy that is doing some incredible things for this team right now. Tier Tart, man, he's tearing it up. And we got three plays here that you really liked. Some of the things that he was doing. Yeah, we can. We, and we can roll through these pretty quick because it is pretty self-explanatory why this is Just impressive. Watch this man eat. Yeah, 93 lined up over uh, the left guard here, number 68, Andrew Norwell, and, like, just overpowers the entire point of attack. Like, uh, the tight end can't get into his block because Norwell is so far in the backfield. This is just beautiful football, and he is in complete control right there. Like, right? Like, you think, oh, Robinson should have gone right. No, Tart is controlling – his his block here, he's going to slide off him and make the tackle. So he forces him to go back around the other way, and uh, the Titans eventually end up cleaning it up for a short gain. But Tart is just so powerful. He is yes. so powerful on the inside, um, and he is just a, a bear to deal with, and especially when you put him next to Jeffrey Simmons. I mean, you expect Simmons to do this kind of stuff, but Tart is doing it too. And look at this. I mean, again, against Norwell, he's got no choice but to hold him because he just overwhelms him. I mean, he is on skates. The leverage is incredible on this play. Yeah, and and so he just throws him to the ground, ends up being a hold, went, you know, dances around, gets out of there, but comes back to the penalty. But Tart is just blowing things up. And then uh, we'll, we'll do one more here uh, where he's actually uh, being double teamed. 
at the point of attack and we'll let the the clip load up here for a second but yep here we go uh so watch he's he's lined up in the the uh the a gap on the right side center and right guard are trying to handle him there's nothing they can do with him i mean the, yeah. you've got a double not team moving block. he doesn't move at all in fact he might move the line backwards and then you know the, and the he makes the tackle and he makes a tackle, you know, wraps him up and throws him down like a rag doll. It's amazing what Tier Tart is doing right now. He is fantastic. And honestly, even as a pass rusher, he's making some plays. And like this guy, to me, I know like the Titans are going to pay Jeffrey Simmons. Tier Tart is going to get paid too. Yes. I mean, he, and I don't know if it'll be here or not because there's only so much money you can spend on your defensive line, but Tier Tart is going to get paid eventually once once his uh he gets out of this you know restricted free agent stuff that that comes along with being a udfa but the titans have i think one or two more years of him being cheap but he is he is going to get a contract at some point because he is playing fantastic football for them and uh just a joy to watch you know he obviously got his hands on a couple passes made that play at the goal line too in coverage like Mm -hmm. this guy is impressive in so many different ways love watching him play football right now now, somebody we don't like watching play football right now is big old double D, Dennis Daly, holding down, which is a relative term, the left tackle position for the Titans. We have got three um, unfortunate clips for Dennis Daly here. The, you have you sent these to me labeled uh, offensive line issues. Daly sucks one, Daly sucks two, and Daly sucks three. I missed in the file that you sent me where the daily is good film was. I don't know if that just got like corrupted when you sent it over to me, but I couldn't find it. We only have these, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. The, um, those clips do not exist. At least. Not oh, from gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, daily, obviously left tackle. Like what, what are we doing here? Like <laughs> it's not even like sweat gets a good jump off the ball. It, it is daily is able to quick set him here. He gets, you know, initial cut and then just loses leverage inside. And look, Woods is open. Like this, the Titans cannot afford to blow plays where their receivers get open. Woods gets open here. This is an easy completion for, you know, a first down at least, if not, you know, 15, 20 yards. And Daly just gets absolutely destroyed. And I mean, not even like he's not even in the fight here. That that's the thing. Like sometimes offensive line play is about losing slowly which is fine. Right. Like you can lose, but you want to lose slowly. He's losing quickly. He's incredibly losing fast. Quickly. Um, <laughs> and it's ruining otherwise promising offensive plays. You know, we'll go to the next one here. Like in, in four weeks, he's allowed 16 pressures, which is insane. I, you know, we talked about Lawan uh, at the beginning of the season on this show and Oh my gosh, this, this one's rough right here. Um, but Lawan. <laughs> Luan had allowed something like, I think it was like six pressures over his last nine starts. Right. Daly has allowed 16 and four starts. Like, but Mike, massive difference. the Titans are three and oh without Luan. He was oh, clearly the issue. No, I have that, the numbers pulled up right here from our guy, Wes, um, with Broadway Sports Media. He tweeted out at some point this week that Dennis Daly is currently tied for fourth most pressures allowed, 16 by a tackle in the NFL so far this season with only 121 pass play snaps. That means he's allowing a pressure every 7.56 passing plays on average, the worst rate by any tackle with at least a hundred pass plays. So assuming the Titans get at least one conversion on a drive and, and get two sets of downs, 
he's allowing on average at least one pressure per drive. Yeah, it's it's bad. And look, like a lot of these are coming in high leverage situations where the pass rusher is able to pin his ears back. And here he's even he's even got chip help here, right? Like, yeah, he's got help from Dontrell Hilliard and he knows it. He still and gets steamrolled. He's still just a he right here. You're just thinking you can't let him win inside and you can't let him win through me. And he yet he let him win through you. Like Directly it is him. it is pathetic. This is pathetic football. I, and I'm sorry, like I Dennis Daly obviously is as being just making it to the NFL as a one of the one percent of the one percent most accomplished football players on earth, but this is pitiful. Sure. Pitiful we're being a lot nicer team. and easier on Dennis Daly right now than I'm sure the coaches were on him in the film room this week. So I, oh, I don't know what to tell you. It's it's bad. And so here here's the uh, the next one, um, which again it's it's just terrible. Like here he is, number seventy one, lined up. I don't. I think he might have had chip help here. No, he didn't have chip help here. But he just he lets the guy run the right outside guy. guy. Does not recognize it. Like. I don't he barely gets a hand on him. And this isn't Montez Sweat. Like, look at how easy this swipe move is. Like the guy just throws his left hand out there and just casually just knocks when down. He sees him immediately. Look, he sees the guy. Yeah. He yeah. knows. And I get like he's trying to help Brewer with John Allen a little bit here, but I I just don't understand how you could not have a better punch than this. Yeah, he sees like, it. it he sees yeah, it, just, and just then he watches it, it pass him directly. Yeah, and he and tries to kind of grab him, so he gets called for the hold too. Which you know, I, hey, I guess it's better than Tannehill dying on the field. But <laughs> um, it is, it is oh, really man. bad at left tackle right now. And in, in, again, like we're showing you clips where even when they're helping him, he's getting beat. So yeah, I, I to me, and we'll talk about this after the the paywall again. It's time for the Titans to do something about left tackle. Um, he cannot keep being trotted out there. It's nope. not good. It's ruining what is what is already like a not super explosive offense. It's ruining plays where they could be picking up yards, extending drives, things like that. And and you just can't have one guy torpedoing this many plays in a single game. Like the Titans only get what sixty you know ish offensive snaps per game. Right. Can't have daily blowing up four or five of them, which is what mm-hmm. he's doing right now. Um, it's just not not good football. Well, it wasn't all Daly's fault, although a lot of it was Daly's fault. The offensive line as a whole, not very great right now. And we've got one clip that details the other side of the ball. Dylan Radens and Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, they uh, had a bit of an issue on this play. And they played all right in this game, but yeah. there were some issues with them as well. Yeah, and this, you know, I'd love to know how this is actually coached here because the, this is the Titans running, uh, you know, a zone run. But typically, typically with the alignment pre-snap here, typically Petit Frere is taking the defensive end. Raidens is climbing to that first linebacker off the ball, and Jones is blocking the nose tackle. So. That would typically be how that would be blocked up, but you'll see Montez Sweat jumps inside immediately. And I think most zone teams are typically taught that if a guy jumps inside, those two are supposed to to switch. So, mm-hmm. and that's a tough thing to do. I like, I give them that, especially since Raidens hasn't played a ton of right guard, but he is supposed to pick up 
the guy jumping inside a gap. And you can see Petit Frere, as soon as he recognizes it, he just moves right on to the next, to the linebacker. So mm-hmm. Raiden's is slow to recognize and the play gets blown up for a loss. Which, so really NPF is is doing the correct thing here in terms of his responsibility, right? He is in the right, most likely. I mean, I, I don't 100% know how the Titans coach this, but most zone teams coach this to be an exchange. If he's going to try to jump inside rather than Petit Frere try to stop and correct himself back inside, which is going to throw him into Raidens and blow everything up anyways, uh, they teach them to pass that off and, and just kind of switch. So it's um, that's one of those things where it's like two young players playing next to each other that haven't played hardly any football next to each other before it's a communication thing. And so maybe if Nate Davis had been in there, that doesn't happen, or at least he gets a, a better hand on sweat and, and Henry's able to read off of it. But, you know, Petit Freire, I thought so showed some progress in this game. I thought he was better. Okay. Um, Raiden's I thought was actually okay. For the most part, he did end up on the ground a couple more times than you'd like to see. Um, but for the most part, he wasn't just, outright whiffing uh which uh was positive to see like Raidens didn't destroy the game like Daly did um or even like Brewer did frankly Raidens was was better in pass blocking than than Brewer so um I thought that it was kind of positive for Raidens mostly like at least compared to expectations um you're certainly excited to get Nate Davis back uh next week hopefully but uh Raiden's wasn't a disaster, and and I, I think that's a step in the right direction for him. Yeah, so let's rinse ourselves of the offensive line, Drek, and we're running out of time here, but we got two clips left, both of which are just some play calling complaints that you have um, from the offensive side of the ball. We're not going to let Todd Downing off entirely. There's still some work to be done in your eyes. The first of which here comes on third and six on the final drive of the game for the team. Yeah, and and this is um this is one of those plays where just I'm not I'm not sure what the goal is here. Like they they run this, you know. First of all, they're they're running this to the short side of the field, and it's a boot. So they're compressing, they're condensing everything into a super tight area, and you know it's just not it's not a good use of spacing, and you're also giving Tannehill you know, a, you're putting a timer on him at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is third and down, third and down six, like we said. So I know your, your offensive line can't really pass protect and you're trying to move him off the spot, which is probably somewhat part of the thinking here, but I hate sending him to the short side of the field here. Um, it just, there's, there's the space seems terrible. The route concepts are too close together. You'll see the two uh, out routes down here at the bottom. Like, even if that's a high, low read, like those guys are too close together for mm-hmm. that high read to even feel open. You know, it, it's just bad spacing. Um, you know, not a lot of opportunity. It's easy to cover when you're, you're running a, into a short condensed area like that. There's just not enough space to work with to let guys get open. So I thought that was kind of a, that was a play that was doomed from the start just based on design. I think this one is too. So this is, you know, one of the Titans, uh, you know, fans favorite uh, heavy personnel package. <laughs> You've got uh, <laughs> NWI is just running a go route at the top of the screen. And then I think Hooper's just running a wheel 
at the bottom, but I don't, like, what is the goal here? And Swain's just kind of wandering off the ball, <laughs> wandering up the middle of the field. That's my favorite one. Yeah, it looks. It honestly, you know, the way Daly comes off the ball too, like he he comes off looking like this is a run play. Um, so I don't know if this was a total miscommunication or or like somebody heard the, a different play in the huddle than everyone else did. But this is throw this away. Like whatever this is needs to go yeah. in the garbage because this is ugly. Like, I, I, honestly, I, I wonder if like Tannehill wasn't supposed to hand that off. Maybe I, I don't know, but it, that was uh, a total mess. Don't know what that play was. Um, I'm hoping it was a bust and that wasn't the design, but you never really know. Like the Titans drop back passing game t- continues to not be particularly well schemed in my opinion. So um, you never know. Yeah, that might, might've been what that was supposed to look like, but. It was ugly. Well, we've reached the end of the film room segment, and that means it's the end of the road for our free viewers. We've got another half of the show, at least, behind the paywall waiting for you. We're going to get into a lot of topics um, that you can't can't listen to from Mike anywhere else except for here, and you got to become a Broadway insider in order to do that. We're going to talk about DJ Moore, the situation with the money, whether we think it might be the right move for the team, whether we think this team would even be willing to do that. A lot of discussion to be had there around potential pre-trade deadline moves for this team. We've also got a number of topics that Mike touched on in his article this week at paulkaharski.com, just talking about over the bye week, what can and can't the Titans fix in terms of the issues they have with their team. We're also going to get into all of the great football that's going on this weekend, what we're most excited to to watch and what we think in the NFL will be most interesting for Titans fans to pay attention to. we got the Moneymaker Mike segment, which made you money last week. It'll make you money again this week. I love his picks. We'll get into all of that. And then, of course, the Mike Drop of the Week, Mike's hottest take. Before we get out of here, all of that can be yours if you become a Broadway insider today. Just 99 cents for your first month when you sign up for the monthly insider pass. Use code INSIDER. Promo code INSIDER gets you that first month for just 99 cents. And then from there, it's just the cost of a trip to Starbucks a month. Or if you want to get it all out of the way up front, become an annual member. Use code ANNUAL to get $20 off your annual subscription, just $49.99 for the whole year. You can set it and forget it. Get all of these great things. Of course, you get the second half of this show each week, which is great. You can't get anywhere else. But of course, you also get early access to select articles. You get premium access to articles that nobody else can read except for insiders. We've got a number of other things planned down the road, potentially some meetups, some watch parties, some uh, Broadway Insider exclusive games and activities that we're going to be putting on that we're really excited about. Of course, all of that can be yours. Just go to broadwaysportsmedia.com today. Become an insider. We appreciate you. Until then, we will talk to you next week. (laughs) 